In for the Night is a podcast that discusses movies, random topics, and gives you an excuse to just stay in for the night. Hi. Hello. How are you? Fantastic. Got to get my practice on yesterday. Mm-hmm. And you won some monies. Mm-hmm. Hi. Um, we didn't play for a whole lot yesterday. It was chump change. My name's Katie, and I'm an insomniac. You slept last night. Don't but I took pills. Don't say you didn't. So. Okay. What's your name? You were out like a light. And then you woke me up, and then I heard crunching noises, and I was like, what is that noise? It's not my fault my floor. It's not my fault the floorboards make noise. No, it wasn't like a floorboard. It was like a crunchy crunch. I don't know. It was the floorboards. Oh, okay. What's your name? Lur, like always. <sighs> I don't know. You change it so frequently. You change it so frequently. I do not. You make me change my name. You, like, threaten me. If I don't change that, you'll, like, fire with, me. With a knife. And I'm just like, change your name. I'm like, fire me then. You're like, no, oh, I can't fire my you. My head is, like, getting cut off. I'm not looking at the video. Good. Okay, let me fix the camera. Good. Good. All right. Welcome to the podcast. Everybody loves it. We have a big episode today. Yeah, so move along. Let's move along. So let's get right into it. Um, we watched the movie only. <laughs> Sorry, the dogs are making noises and wandering around and they need to sit down or lay down somewhere. So take a shot. Welcome. We're not even two minutes in and you already get to take a shot. Um, so we watched the movie only and it, you can watch it. Just a reminder, you can watch it on Prime, YouTube, Redbox, Voodoo, any, any of those. All the things. All the things. But let's... I guess read in. Read. That thing is not nice. Okay. Okay. Tank came out in 2019. You did see it? I don't know. It was like right before COVID. Um. Wow. Did not get. That's a lot. Well, I don't know why not. Well, I guess they probably because they never explained where it came from. Um. Let's see. Yeah. Only came out in 2019. We have a. Oh, excuse me. Yanni poo. Oh, yeah. Just woke up two hours ago, so guess I'm not fully awake yet. <laughs> 5.1 out of 10 on IMD Bizzles. Just right <clears throat> over. Go lay down, Fifi. Take another uh, shot, people. 40% on Rotten Potatoes. 40%? 40%. Yeah, didn't Damn, get good this did reviews. not get a good rating. Um, 53% on Metacritic. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of hateful people out there. Um, Synopsi. Penis peni. I was looking at the actors' names. A mysterious virus has killed every woman on the planet, all except Ava. So she was the last one. Well, it's like that's kind of how the... Oh, we'll get into it. Go. Continue. Well, Nothing. Uh, I don't know how to say her name. Fredia. Frida. Okay, but there's an E-I. Yeah, freedom. Uh, Pinto. Pinto. Like the bean? Uh, hunted by everyone, Ava and her boyfriend, Will, make a break for the wilderness, but it is not long before someone picks up their trail. Strong language. I don't remember there being strong language. F- she kept on saying, fuck, get out of the fucking apartment. She did? Yeah. <clears throat> Give me my fucking phone. That was phone. at the end. Like, all up to there, there wasn't really was- any cussing. There's a light cussing. Um, Not like what we do. 
So we have Chandler Riggs, who is from. It's a little kid. I cannot remember where he's from. He's Chandler. Oh, what did he play in? Like, it's gonna bother me so bad. Oh, was he Carl from Walking Dead? Yes, Carl from Walking Dead. Fucking that just hit one. me. I was like, he's older there, a I lot was older. Like, God bless. I know who he is, and I just can't think of it. Carl. Carl. Yeah, Carl from Walking Dead. Uh, we have Freda Pinto as Eva. It, it should be Eva, not Ava. It's not A-V-A. It's E-V-A. But he kept saying Ava. It's Eva. I'm not, like, that's probably why it got such low scores. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we have, oh, this is Leslie again. So he was in another movie we saw. Which movie was that? I don't know, but I, I remember the, the black guy, Leslie Odom. He was in another, we just oh, saw recently. it. Like, like two Two movies ago, he was in another movie we saw because we were talking about like Leslie and Ashley as being guy names. names. Yeah, he was in another movie. I think was it the Last Voyage? Was he the black dude? The Last Voyage. The Last Voyage of the Demeter. No, he was not the black dude. Oh. Uh oh, the Exorcist believer. Oh yeah, he was the dad. We're terrible at remembering stuff, so... I remember faces, though, and names. Well, at least his, like, names like that. Uh, that are, like, different. And then we have Michael... Sheffelt? I don't know. Joshua Mikael. That's one of the... That's a long-haired guy that was sitting at the bar mm-hmm. towards the end. And then you see him... I think he's also in a short scene. They, they were not very big in that movie. And then Jason Warner Smith. He's a dad of Carl. Carl. And then we have Tia Hicks as Carolyn. So poor Carolyn, she was like the first to die. Maybe, but first of Eva's friends to die. Yes, because she was walking all up in that shit. I mean, I get why the movie probably got bad reviews because they never explain where it came from. It just came from I think, the sky. So in the beginning, it was like well, when they were watching the news, it mentioned that uh, oh, everybody, make sure you go enjoy outside today because the comment. Comet something was going to be within view so you can see the comet. Mm-hmm. I think it came from the comet because this was like the first time in forever that it's been that close to the the, the earth. Mm, I didn't hear that part. And so <clears throat> then I guess it brought that. Brought the destruction of That's all what I'm women. assuming. Or aliens are just like, fuck off. They just didn't like women anymore? I mean, who does? So I guess that is an explanation. I guess it just came from the comet. It was just some But weird I don't disease. understand how there's still ash falling because usually comets go by pretty quickly, like in a, like no more than a couple days, depending. Well, ash was only falling. It's just falling the entire time. No, not the entire time. When they first got to the wilderness, like, it was free. There was no ash. And then when he was, when they woke up in the middle of the night, when she showed up naked, uh, it was again. ash coming down again. Maybe it was a few comets. Maybe it was like a comet, like a meteor shower or something. Yeah. Well, uh, we don't want to give too much away because, yes, this was a low-scoring movie, but it was still interesting. I liked it. The I mean, girl's d- dumb as fuck. She is very stupid, dumb. Stupid. If you want to prepare yourself to be angry at a woman, just watch this movie. Like, the guy was trying his best, and she just... She just kept on... She, like, legit, you know... Everything he did, she just said, like, a big fuck you when she did what she did. like, went out of his way to help her and protect her and make it safe for her. And then she just, like, double-fingered. double-fingered his ass for no reason. I felt bad for him, but... 
because he was with a dumbass I mean, bitch. she kind of had a point. It's like, what the fuck is they going to do for the rest of her life? They'd be in captivity and quarantine for the rest of her life? Like, no, she didn't but want there, that. Like, maybe there could be a cure. Maybe, like, you don't know. It'd already been a year. Over yeah, same, a year. With the, same with COVID. We had mean? it around for a year. and then Supposedly, they made a- no, they had a cure before, way before. I'm not getting into conspiracy. It was like anyway, months after it came out. Because so, they're already saying, talking about taking a vaccine. I don't know. I just <clears> like <throat> find it all. That's why I didn't PTSD. take that damn vaccine. Fuck that vaccine. Um, so let's... I know this was... We're doing it pretty quick, but we need to wrap it up because we have a long topic today. Like even I have like six pages. Yeah. So buckle up. So your score for this movie. Huh, eight comes to mind. It's always an eight. I'm going to give it like a 7.5 just because like I feel like it could have gone a different way than it did. I mean, the ending's pretty rough too. So Yeah, that's really sad. But I mean, overall, <laughs> it was okay. Would I watch it again? Maybe in 10 years. We probably ago. already have watched yeah, it we twice. Already, I know I've seen it before. I just couldn't remember, I guess, what happens. And then it kind of was, was coming back to me as we were watching it. So. Like, I don't know if I've seen it. Maybe I've seen a little bit of it. Maybe I saw it because you were seeing it. I don't know. So those are our scores. Definitely take a take a gander at it. Um, again, it's on Amazon Prime. And it's called Only. Only. But she's only the lonely. I mean, I I completely understand where she came from. I mean, I do too. But because he couldn't touch her, he couldn't. They couldn't do anything. Then she started having seizures, and then. Well, that's because she's dumbass and fucking. Well, she herself. wanted to enjoy the outside before her last days. Alrighty, so moving on from the movie, we are going to get into our topic today, which I said is a big one. We are doing DB Cooper. Cooper DB. Do you remember who DB Cooper is? The hijacker. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize how detailed this was until two hours in of research, which usually only takes me about thirty minutes to do. This well, took that's me why two you hours. Shorten it up. Hella shorten it up. I didn't, but there's so much good information that I didn't want to like cheat myself and others out of this information. Eh, they could look it up. Fine. All right. So, DB <laughs> Cooper, my sites are Wikipedia, obviously, FBI.gov, Britannica.com, and CrimeMuseum.org. All the very governmenty, crimey things. Well, yeah, it's hijacking a plane. So, <laughs> so let's get into it. Let's go back to November 24th of 1971. It's the day before Thanksgiving, just FYI. A nondescript man calling himself Dan Cooper approached the counter of Northwest Orient Airlines in Poland, Poland, Portland, Oregon. Northwest? I keep thinking Southwest. I was like, it's, is that, no, the, is I that don't, the same air? I was like, no, Northwest? No, okay, it's Southwest. Is Southwest one is one that's around now. I don't think this airline's around anymore. I've never heard of it. All right. So Cooper was a quiet man who appeared to be in his mid-40s, about six feet tall with dark hair and brown eyes. Wearing a black or brown business suit, a white shirt, a thin black tie, a black raincoat, and brown shoes. That's a lot of mixing. Black and brown. Black and brown. It was noted that he didn't have an accent. He was carrying a black attache case, or also known as a briefcase, um, and a brown paper bag. Bomb. Read number one. You freaking read number one. He used cash to buy a one-way ticket on flight 305. Mm. Oh, oh barely. Stop. Uh, on flight 305, bound for Seattle, Washington. Oh, man. 
the trip duration was only 30 minutes long. That's a short flight. I know. I'm like, That's Jesus. A super short flight. Uh, the ticket cost is only twenty dollars. That's a super cheap ticket. Well, this is back in nineteen. Now, now the same ticket with current airlines range from sixty nine to three hundred, depending on the day. With the same airline, so it is still no, 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 no. Oh, with current airlines, I'm current idiot. airlines. <laughs> you were just uh, right He was assigned an aisle seat eighteen C for a fourth four thirty five p.m. flight. Uh, this was the last row. Oh man, that's a small airplane. Yeah, it's only 18 rows. Uh, after he boarded and sat and ordered, after he boarded and sat, he ordered a bourbon and seven up with the flight attendant. Back when you can just drink willy nilly. And I like how he got it before the flight even took off. Like he sat down. He's yeah, like, that's I usually only a first class thing. Booze shit. All right, so the plane carried 36 passengers that day, not including the pilot, Captain William Scott, and the first officer, Bob Radagzak. Sure. The flight attendants, H.E. Anderson, and two... Flight engineer, sorry. Flight engineer, H.E. Anderson, and two flight attendants, Tina Mucklow and Florence Schaefer. Schaefer. Oh, yeah. So Florence and Tina. Cooper drew little attention while he was boarding the flight. Flight 305 left Portland on schedule at 2.50 p.m., I don't see, you know why yours says 450. 435. 435. 250. That's in the afternoon. Whatever. Shortly after takeoff, Cooper handed a note to the flight attendant, Florence, who was sitting in her jump seat, in the jump seat at the rear of the plane behind Cooper. So directly behind him, she was sitting. Assuming the note was a lonely businessman's phone number, Florence dropped the note unopened into her purse. <laughs> She's like... Why the hell she put it unopened in her purse? Because she was just like, okay, whatever, I'll look at it later. She's working. Like, mm. um, so Cooper then le- leaned toward her and whispered, "Miss, you better look at that note. I have a bomb." Oh wow! Read number two. I just find it. Like, Miss, you better look at that Miss, note. <laughs> better look at it, bitch. Ah. Uh, Florence opened opened the note in neat all capital letters. Printed with a felt tip pen, Cooper had written, Miss, I have a bomb in my briefcase and I want you to sit by me. Uh, Schaefer is Florence, right? Yeah, Florence is Schaefer. Yeah. So Florence, I'm not saying her last name. I changed most of them if I did, uh, I'm sorry. Returned the note to Cooper, sat down as he requested and quietly and quietly asked to see the bomb. He opened his briefcase and, and she saw two rows of Four uh, red cylinders, which she assumed was dynamite. Uh, attached to the cylinders were a wire and a large uh, cyl- cylindrical battery. Good job. I never said that word in my entire life. Uh, which appeared to resemble a bomb. Okay, so she- Florence is sitting next to Cooper right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cooper closed the briefcase and told Florence his demands. Florence wrote a note with Cooper's demands and brought it to the cockpit and informed the flight crew of the situation. Captain Scott di- <laughs> Captain Scott directed her to remain in the cockpit for the remainder of the flight and take notes of events as they unfolded. So, fuck the other fucking flight attendant. <laughs> Florence, you stay here. <laughs> He's probably fucking her. Um, probably. <laughs> He then contacted Northwest Flight Operations in Minnesota and relayed the hijacker's demands. He wanted $200,000 in a knapsack by 5 p.m. in negotiable American currency. He wanted two 
front parachutes. He wanted two back parachutes. By requesting two sets of parachutes, side note, by requesting two sets of parachutes, Cooper implied that he planned to take a hostage with him, thereby discouraging authorities from supplying non-functional equipment. So he was going to bring somebody along on his jump and mm-hmm. they didn't want to have sacrifice yeah because it just would have been him they could have just gave him a def- deformed one not a deformed, defective defective all right and the last thing was a fuel truck to refuel the plane when they landed right, we'll get into it. it number three uh, what was that? so he only requested two hundred thousand oh, dollars this is back in ni- uh, 1971 so 19 19- 1970s that's a lot I mean, of money he at least could have asked for a million like like how much is it two, in daytime Two hundred thousand. that's stupid okay two hundred thousand. back in that 1971 yanni mcgee over here mm. oh while you're looking at it with uh <gasps> what Oh, that's... Oh, I'm missing a zero. With Florence in the cockpit, flight attendant Tina sat next to Cooper to act as liaison between him and the flight crew in the cockpit. Uh, I bet Tina was like that lucky bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like all men, Cooper made additional demands. What do you mean, like all men? (laughs) Jesus. Uh, Upon landing in Seattle, the fuel trucks must meet the plane and all passengers uh, must remain seated while she brought the money aboard. He said, um, he said he would release the passengers after he had the money. Jesus. Okay. I like read today. So $200,000 from 1971 in today's standards would be like almost 1.5 million. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Still That's ask a for a million money. back then. I mean, it would have been a lot more. So I've been, if it was 200,000, that was 1.5 million. So a million would have been like, almost three million then probably about that yeah roughly all right so during the flight from portland to seattle cooper demanded that tina remain by his side at all times i bet he had a crush on her tina must be hot sauce tina she not from louisiana but she's hot sauce take a shot arrows by us she later said that he appeared familiar with the local terrain while looking out the window he remarked looks like did you finish I was reading three. Yeah. No. Time out. Okay. Going back to what I he said. I have a lot more. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I don't know why I thought it was in the, Oh, you just start talking. This is your fault. Uh, let's see. So he said he reached. Okay. So Captain Scott informed Seattle Tacoma Airport Air Traffic Control. Jeez, that's a tongue twister. Air Traffic Control. Uh, they then contacted the police and FBI. Uh, the captain. Then Captain Scott told the passengers that upon their their arrival in Seattle would be delayed because of a minor mechanical difficulty. I'm just wondering, is he was he referencing the plane had a mechanical difficulty or the ground people had a mechanical difficulty? Because if I'm on a plane and the captain's like, Shh, hello, captain, this is your captain speaking. There's a slight mechanical problem. We're like, fuck that, land it. Then Captain Scott told the passengers upon their arrival in Seattle. Would be delayed because of a minor. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't really say. Continue. Yeah. Uh, Don Donald Narop, N N Y R O P. Sure. 
It's an interesting last name. The president of Northwest Orient authorized payment of the ransom and ordered all employees to co- cooperate with the hijacker and comply with his demands. For approximately two hours, Flight 305 circled Puget Sound. No, Puget. Same thing. Uh, sound to give Seattle police and FBI significant time to assemble Cooper's ransom money and parachutes and to mobilize emergency personnel. Okay. Now I'm done. Are you sure? Maybe. Let me double check here. Okay. So we already established that we think Cooper had a crush on Tina. Um, then what she said, she later said that he appeared familiar with the local terrain. While looking out the window, he remarked, look, it looks like Tacoma down there as aircraft flew above it. Uh, he also correctly noted McCord Air Force Base was only a 20-minute drive from SeaTac Airport. Um, she later described the hijacker's demeanor. Cooper was not nervous. He seemed rather nice, and he was not cruel or nasty. She liked him back. Tina did? <laughs> yeah. Aww. All right. So it's a number- match made in heaven. Read number four. Number four? Why do you say it like four. that? Like you're a, a ghetto chick. Read number four. Read number four. Uh, while the plane circled Seattle, Mucklow. Oh, is that the wait? That's Florence. Mm. Tina Mucklow, a person. Tina. Tina, Tina Mucklow. Use last names. I tried Tina to change chatted it. With Cooper and asked why he picked Northwest Airlines to hijack, he laughed and replied, "It's not because I have a grudge against your airlines. It's just because I have a grudge." Then explain that this flight simply suited his needs. He asked where she was from. She answered that she was originally from Pennsylvania and was living in any min, uh, min, Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Just didn't seem right uh, at the time. <laughs> Cooper responded that Minnesota was very was very nice country. She asked where he where he was from. But he began. He became upset and refused to answer. Okay, psycho. He was like, "I'm not telling." It'd be funny if he just divulged in his whole life story, and he's like, "I was born in." He should have. I mean, no, because he's hijacking a plane. He doesn't want to be found out. That'd like be he's going to survive this. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, he asked if she smoked and offered her a cigarette. She replied that she had quit but accepted the cigarette. She's like, I'm fuck it. DB Cooper, you and Tina need to get it in. My, join, join the, the Mile, Mile High, High Club <laughs> with a bomb on your back. That's like a heightening, like mm-hmm. I don't know, the risk factor. It's like the new <laughs> new trend, you know. Join Everybody, the Mile High Club, but have a bomb strapped to you. I don't think that's gonna work now because of all the security measures that are happening. All right, so FBI records note Cooper briefly spoke to an unidentified passenger while the plane maintained its holding pattern over Seattle. So as I'm just thinking, I would get sick or something because it's you like can't sh- tell. Baby, you know when they turn planes, like you can still have a glass on the freaking. Uh, on the freaking tray table and it won't fall. I was like, right? you work on planes. Like, so. The plane could be like this and it will not fall. How that happens, I do not know. It's a centrifugal force. Sure. Okay. But then there you go. So you know the answer to your own question. In his interview with FBI agents, passenger George Labissonnaire, I'm just going to say it like that, said he visited the restroom directly behind Cooper on several, several occasions. A 30-minute flight... Well, not, not anymore because it's like two hours later. So it's two and a half hour flight. Yeah, he, and they're circling. <laughs> several occasions of going potty 
Wow, dude. Uh, one of the re- on one of the returns, the passenger with the cowboy hat asked Tina about uh, the mechanical issues delaying the flight. Cooper told the cowboy to go back to his seat. Cowboy ignored him and continued to question Tina. Eventually, cowboy went to sit down. Oh, you know what? So there's there. So I'm pretty sure the only people that know there's a bomb on a plane is the pilot, probably Tina, and the flight crew, and the flight crew. So the passengers don't know. Mm-hmm. So they're just so to tell why they're circling they're mm-hmm. saying as a mechanic so they're talking about the plane right so they were um trying to just distract everybody like yeah. I'm, if i was a passenger i would be like this is a little nefarious right but it's now. also crazy because well now they only put enough fuel in a plane to basically get where they're going exactly but then my thing is if i was sitting there and i noticed that one of the flight attendants was sitting next to a passenger the entire flight i'd be like what's happening like, I would have noticed that. Maybe, uh, you know, that's her boo thing. Maybe. All right, read number five. You read number five. Bitch. Uh, why did you put butt in big, bold letters? But, that's why I did that. Because oh. it's what I just said, told that story. But, about. sorry to get all loud in y'all's ear a second time. Tina's version of the interaction differed from... Lobisinias. I guess that's the fucking. You got George. No, George Love is like he was the guy who had to pee all the time. Oh, she said that the cowboy asked her for a magazine because he was bored. She went with him back to the galley and found one. When Tina returned to her seat, Cooper said, "If that is a sky marshal, I don't want any more of that." Despite his brief interaction with Cooper, the cowboy was not interviewed by the FBI and was never identified. Uh-oh, did he die? No. But, okay, so George pretty much lied, saying that, oh, he was going to the bathroom and the cowboy was blocking his way to go back to his seat because he was listening in on it and saying that the cowboy was asking about mechanical issues. I mean, that's totally two separate things. I want a magazine because I'm aboard or mechanical issues of the plane. That's not anywhere close, so... Stupid George. Stop lying. Who's George? George is the guy who had to go pee all the time. Who had kept on going. Who was a cowboy? No, that's a different. There's two guys here. There's George and then a cowboy. Cowboy's talking to Tina and then George needs to pass, but the cowboy didn't move because aisles are like that big. Mm -hmm. And so he lied what actually happened or he just is retarded. I don't know. Maybe he was drunk. He just doesn't remember. Maybe. That's probably why I had to pee all the time. Exactly. Like, why else would you have to pee all the time? Okay, so the $200,000 ransom was received from Seattle First National Bank in a bag weighing approximately 19 pounds. So if you want to know. The money, 10,000 unmarked $20 bills. We'll see if they would use hundreds. It would have been lighter. I think he wanted to have smaller ones. Mm. Like, just... But that would be my choice. Most of which had serial numbers beginning with the letter L, indicating issuance by the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. Was photographed on microfilm by the FBI. So before they gave it to him, they took pictures of all of it. Because mm-hmm. if he spends it, they'll find out. Yeah. All right. So Seattle police obtained the two front reverse parachutes from a local skydiving school and two back main parachutes from a local stunt pilot. Read number six. Uh, around 5.24 PST, so Pacific specific, Pacific Standard Time. Good job. Uh, Captain Scott was informed the parachutes had been delivered to the airport and notified Cooper they were 
they would be landing soon. Uh, at 5.46, uh, Flight 305 landed at Seattle Tacoma Airport. With Cooper's permission, Scott parked the aircraft on a partially lit runway away from the main terminal. Uh, Cooper demanded that only one representative of the airline approach the plane with the parachutes and the money, and the only entrance and exit through would, would be through the aircraft's front door via the mobile air stairs. Is that all? See. Northwest Orient's Seattle operations manager, Jesus Christ, that was hard, Al Lee was designated to be the courier to avoid the possibility that Cooper might mistake Lee's airline uniform for the law enforcement off. For that of a law enforcement officer, he changed into his civilian clothes for the task. With the passengers remaining seated, a ground crew attached the mobile staircase. I, okay, so if all the passengers are sitting here and everybody's just like looking around and then somebody gets off the plane and gets money and brings it to a, one of the pack- passengers, I'm just wondering why nobody's They're panicking. obviously going to know and they can't panic because he can set the bomb off. I True. mean, they might panic. I don't know. Uh, per Cooper's directive, uh, Tina exited the aircraft through the front door and retrieved the ransom money. When she returned, she carried the money bag past the seat of passengers to Cooper in the last row. Like, they obviously have to know what's going right. on now. Right. If they're smart. <laughs> oh, the guy's just reading a magazine. Which this is 1971. <laughs> I'm not sure how smart people were back then. I don't know. All right, num- number seven. Oh, read it? Yes, please. Uh, Cooper then agreed to release the passengers as they debarked. Disembarked. Hey, quiet. What the hell was that? It's Matt. I told you he's coming. Oh. Hey, stop. Um. um, 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 um. Hey, quiet. Sorry, people. Lay down. Fifi, lay down, ma'am. Now. Y'all know who it is. Quiet. Take a couple shots for that. Hey, I said quiet. Um, let's see. Uh, you lost his fight. Hey, I'm tired of that. Stop can't it. keep. They're just gonna keep barking. Then keep on get, going. Just keep on going. Read number seven. Just get into it. Uh, any attempt to break the tension. No wait. Oh yeah. Uh, Cooper inspected the money. So as they debarked, Cooper inspected the money. In an attempt to break the tension, Tina jokingly asked Cooper if she could have some of the money. Cooper readily agreed and handed her a packet of bills and she immediately returned the money and explained accepting gratuities was against company policy. (laughs) She said Cooper had tried to tip her and the other two flight attendants earlier in the flight with money from his own pocket, but they had, uh, they had each decline citing the policy. So she pretty much was like, I'll have some of that money. And he's like, okay, here you go. Here's a stack. And like, she's like, shit, never mind. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just funny. I thought that was hilarious. Okay. With the passengers safely debar- disembarked. Debarked. Debarked. That's what it says. I don't know why it says that. Only Cooper and the six crew members remained on board. In accordance with Cooper's demands, Tina made three trips outside the aircraft to retrieve the parachutes, which she brought to him in the rear of the plane. While Tina brought aboard the parachutes, Florence asked Cooper if Florence asked Cooper if she could retrieve her purse stored in the compartment behind the seat. Cooper agreed and told her, "I won't bite." <laughs> <laughs> flight attendant Alice uh, then asked Cooper if the flight attendants could leave. 
To which Cooper replied, whatever you girls would like. <laughs> so Alice and Tina left. Not Al- Yeah. So Alice and Tina left. Thanks, bitches. For- no, sorry. Alice and Florence left. Mm-hmm. Tina, I'm putting in here as my own mm-hmm. translation. Thanks, bitches, for leaving me. <laughs> They're like, deuces. <laughs> When Mucklow brought the final parachute to Cooper, she gave him printed instructions for using the parachutes. But Cooper said he didn't need them. Read number eight. Uh, oh, can't see that. A problem with the refueling process caused a delay. So a second truck and then a third were brought to the aircraft to complete the refueling. During a delay, Mucklow said Cooper... Com- uh, uh, complained the money was delivered in a cloth bag instead of a knapsack as he had directed. And he is now in the, had to improvise a new way to transport the money. Uh, using a pocket knife, Cooper cut the canopy from one of the re- reserve parachutes and stuffed uh, some of the money in the empty parachute bag. I mean, I guess that's just how you'd have to do it. Or like tell a, them to give me the right shit. I mean, I'm pretty sure they didn't think, oh, it has to be a knapsack. I think they were just like, oh. He just wants the money. But he just wants the money, but he was just like, fuckers, man. Why you fucking assholes ruining my plan. I mean, but he came up with a, an alternative. An FAA official requested a face-to-face meeting with Cooper aboard the aircraft, but Cooper denied the request. Oh, well, yeah. Obviously. Cooper became impatient, saying, this shouldn't take so long, and let's get the show on the road, because it's taking forever to refuel the plane. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that happens. He then gave the cockpit crew his flight plan and directives, a southeast course toward Mexico City at the minimum airspeed possible without sailing the aircraft. That was approximately 100 knots or 185 kilometers an hour or 115 miles per hour. Damn, that's slow. That's real slow. And at a maximum altitude of 10,000 feet. So you can jump out. Well, yeah, because if you go any higher, you'd kill himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like the highest you can go is like 15. Yeah, I think if you go over 15 or 16, that's when it gets starts cold. like declining the right. oxygen. Uh, okay. Cooper also oh wait I read that wait no did I okay Cooper also specified the landing gear must remain deployed the wing wing flaps must be lowered fifteen degrees and the cabin must remain unpressurized Bam. so he's like his has his shit together he knows exactly what needs to get done first officer Radazak sure informed Cooper that this configuration limited the aircraft's range to about a thousand miles so a second refueling would need to be necessary before entering mexico so it because they're going so slow and so low it's causing the plane to use more fuel Mm -hmm. and so he's like bitch we're not gonna make it so cooper and the crew discussed options and agreed to reno on reno uh the reno Tahoe International Airport as the refueling stop. So he's going to make another stop. Jesus. Like, uh, that's... uh, You're lucky, I guess. I don't know. Fuck. Um, Cooper further directed the aircraft to take off with the rear exit door open and its air stair extended. Fuck, that's hard to say, too. Northwest Homes Office objected that this was unsafe. Cooper countered, saying, it can be done. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) I like half of his, like, his responses to people are just like, oh, okay, go, go for it. I won't yeah, bite. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> what is? What is? You got Pretty this. Pretty chill dude. Uh, 
but did not argue the point and said he would lower the staircase once they were airborne. He demanded Tina remain aboard to assist the operation. So, Tina, you're my bitch. Oh, poor Tina. All right, so we are back in the air. So, they took off again. You read number 10. Take a shot. You mean number nine? Did I fuck up the numbers? Yes, read number nine. I'm sorry. I Oh, you know what happened? I probably didn't save it, and I updated everything, and then it went back to... Slacker. I, shut up. It was two hours of research. Uh, well, you could have shortened it. I didn't want uh, to. Around 7.40 p.m., flight 305 took off with only Cooper, I guess Mucklow is Tina, mm-hmm. Captain Scott, First Officer Razmataz, and Flight <laughs> Engineer uh, Anderson on board. aboard. The two F-106 fighters from McCord Air Force Base and a Lockheed T-33 trainer diverted from an unrelated Air National Guard mission followed the 727. Oh, so it's a 727. Nice. Uh, all three jets uh, maintain S flight patterns to stay behind the slow-moving 727 and out of Cooper's view. So they're following it. They're happy. They're chilling. Like, uh, it's just weird. I mean, I wouldn't say they're happy, but... (laughs) He's not being aggressive. He's just saying this is what's going to happen. You do it. Oh, you're saying Cooper's happy? Yeah. Oh, they talk about the jet fighter. I mean, the jet fighters are just there. They're pretty much useless in this whole fucking story. Um, After takeoff, Cooper told Tina to lower the AFT staircase. Whatever that is. Do you know what an AFT staircase is? I think it's the one that goes... never worked on a 727. I think it's the one that's behind on the bottom where the, like, luggage goes, maybe. I don't know. There's no staircase. She told him and the flight crew she feared being sucked out of the aircraft. The flight crew suggested she come to the cockpit and retrieve an emergency rope, which she could tie herself to a seat. So she's pretty much going to get sucked out. Stable, sort of. Cooper rejected the suggestion, stating he did not want her going up front or the flight crew coming back into the cabin. Everybody stay where you are. Don't worry about it. She she continued to express her fear to him and asked him to cut some cord from one of the parachutes to to create a safety line for her. I mean, that's reasonable. He said he would lower the stairs himself. He's like, fuck it. I'll just do it myself. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. No, no, no. Just let me tie myself off. No, no. I'll do it. You ruined it. You sit down. You're useless. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh... Instructed her to go to the cockpit, close the curtain uh, partition between the coach and the first class sections, and not return. Bye, Tina. (laughs) He's like, I'm done with you, ma'am. You're useless. Damn. (laughs) Number 10. For real. He regrets trying to give her that money now. Um... Before she left, Tina begged Cooper, please, please take take the bottle with you. Oh my god, stop yawning. Oh yeah, let me just stop doing that. Breathe better. I'm breathing just fine. Uh, Let's see. Oh, yeah. Please, please take the bomb with you. Cooper responded he would either disarm it or take it with him. So he, Tina asked him to take the bomb. Please take the bomb. And he's like, oh, yeah, no worries. I got it. I'll either deactivate it or toss it out with me. Okay, that was easy. Right. Um, As she walked to the cockpit and turned to close the curtain partition, she saw Cooper standing in the aisle trying uh, tying whatever what appeared to be the money bag around his waist. From takeoff, 
to when Tina entered the cockpit four or five minutes had lapsed. She remained in the cockpit for the rest of the flight. Tina was the last person to see the hijacker. So she was the last person to see this person ever. Around 8 p.m., a cockpit warning light flashed, indicating that AFT staircase had been deployed. He did it himself. Thanks, Tina. The pilot used the cabin intercom to ask Cooper if he needed assistance, but Cooper's last message was a one-word reply. No. Exactly. (laughs) The crew's ears popped from the drop in cabin pressure from the stairs being opened. At approximately 8.13 p.m., the aircraft's tail section suddenly pitched forward upward, forcing the pilots to trim and return the aircraft to a level flight. In his interview with the FBI, co-pilot Bill Razmataz, Razmataz. I'm just like, it's hard, said the sudden upward pitch occurred while the flight was near the suburbs north of Portland. So mm-hmm. when it did that, it's around this area. Read number 11. Oh, excuse me. At 11.02 p.m., with the aft staircase still deployed, Flight 305 landed in Reno Tahoe International Airport. Let's see what else we got. Chair. Uh, FBI agents, state troopers, sheriff de- sheriff's deputies, and Reno police established, established a perimeter around the aircraft. But fearing the hijacker and the bomb were still aboard, uh, did not approach the plane. Scott, uh, Captain Scott searched the cabin Confirmed Cooper was no longer aboard, and after a 30-minute search, the FBI bomb squad declared the cabin safe. So my question is, that tiny-ass plane, like, it's only had 18 rooms, right? Mm-hmm. And it took them 30 minutes to look through it. Is there a lot of hiding places on a plane like that? I mean, you got the cargo, you got, you got, I don't know. I've never been on a 727. I have no idea. Interesting. Okay. So now that's the story of the flight. We're going to get into the investigation. Hey, no one got hurt. Look at that. I know, right? Allegedly. He was a nice guy. The investigation. In addition to 66 latent fingerprints aboard the airline, FBI agents recovered Cooper's black clip-on tie, tie clip, and two of the four parachutes, one of which had been opened and had three shroud lines cut from the canopy. FBI agent interviewed eyewitnesses in Portland, Seattle, and Reno and developed a series of composite sketches. Local police and FBI agents immediately began questioning possible suspects. Fifi, no man. Uh-oh, we got Fifi trying to hump someone. Take a shot. No man. Okay, dogs are being really annoying today, guys, so you're just going to be wasted. Uh, where was I? Mm-mm-mm-mm. Local police and FBI agents immediately began questioning possible suspects. Acting on the possibility the hijacker may have used his real name or the same alias in previous crimes. So somebody got arrested and they used D.B. Cooper or Dan Cooper. But how stupid would you have to be to do that? I mean, he was pretty intelligent throughout Mm -hmm. this whole situation. And the only thing he fucked up, I used my own name. Why would he fuck up on that? Because you, if if you get a flight and on the ticket it says Dan Cooper, and you used your real name, he's they're gonna find you. But he can't get on the flight without using his real name. I mean, back then it didn't matter. You just say, "Hey, my name is." I don't know about all that. Dan Cooper. 
I mean, I'm pretty sure the show a driver's license and it's going to say Dan Cooper on there. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe he had a fake one. Okay. Uh, 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 the Portland Cooper. Portland Cooper. Oh, in Portland, Cooper had a minor police record, but was quickly eliminated as a suspect. Oh, wait. Uh, Portland police discovered and interviewed a Portland citizen named D.B. Cooper. So that's that. Um, and then they quickly wrote him off. Sorry, my brain is not working right now. In his rush to meet a deadline, reporter James Long confused the man, D.B. Cooper, with the name used by the hijacker, which was Dan Cooper. So technically, he was never D.B. Cooper. It was always just Dan. Yeah. And so now D.B. Cooper, who lives in Portland, is like, what the fuck? Oh, that sucks. (laughs) Number 12, please. Poor guy. Uh, Due to the... Oh, due to the number of variables and parameters, precisely defining the area to search was difficult. The jet's airspeed estimates uh, varied. The environmental conditions along the flight path varied. Why is that word so hard? Everything's hard today. Uh, with the aircraft's location and altitude, the only Cooper know or knew how long he remained in free fall before pulling his ripcord. The uh, Air Force F-106 pilots neither saw anyone jumping from the airliner, nor did their radar detect a deployed parachute. Hmm. Moreover, a black-clad individual jumping into the moonless night would be difficult to see, especially given the limited visibility, cloud cover, and lack of grounding light. So he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And the thing is, like, we'll get into it later, but we don't know what was in his brown paper bag. No, we don't. That's where, like, I'm like, could be anything. I mean, they had to scan it. No, back in the 70s, you didn't have to. You just walked through. Mm. People could go and wave goodbye as they see your flight taking off. Mm. So, anyway. In an experimental recreation, flying the same aircraft used in the hijacking in the same flight configuration, FBI agents pushed a 200-pound sled out of the open air air stair and were able to produce the upward motion of the tail section and a brief change in cabin pressure described by the flight crew at 8.13 p.m. In initial explorations placed Cooper's landing zone within an area on the southernmost outreach of Mount St. Helens, oh, excuse me, a few miles southeast of Ariel, Washington, near Lake Murin, an artificial lake formed by a dam on the Lewis River. Search efforts focused on Clark and Kowlitz counties. Kowlitz. Sure. Kowlitz. Kowlitz. Uh, counties encompassing the terrain immediately south and north of the Lewis River in southwest Washington. FBI agents and sheriff's deputies searched large areas of the heavily wooden terrain on foot and by helicopter. Door-to-door searches of local farmhouses were also carried out. Although numerous broken treetops and several pieces of plastic and other objects resembling parachute canopies were sighted and investigated, nothing revealed... Nothing relevant to the hijacking was found. So possibly that's where he could have landed, but nothing was around to mm-hmm. have evidence. So, all right, read number 13. You read number 13. Shortly after the spring thaw in early 1972, teams of FBI agents raided some or by some 200 soldiers from St. Louis. Wait. Oh, eight. 
I'm an idiot. Teams of FBI agents aided by some 200 <laughs> soldiers. I'm like, I raided? Like, raided? That didn't why make any sense. They, why are they raiding things? Jesus Christ. Uh, oh, it's a hard day. <laughs> uh, aided. There's no R there, Ty. <laughs> Uh, by some 200 soldiers from Fort Lewis, along with U.S. Air Force uh, personnel, National Guardsmen, and civilian volunteers, conducted another thorough ground search of Clark and Kulowitz, Kowitz counties for 18 days in March, and then another 18 days in April. Mm. Two local women stumbled upon a skeleton in an abandoned structure in Clark County. It was later identified as the remains of Barba. Barba. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Barbara. No, it's Barba. <laughs> I hate you. And Dury, a teenage girl who had been abducted and murdered several weeks before. So, I mean, at least they found they her. found her. But that's still shitty because they're like, oh, we figured out the hijacker died. Oh, shit. She got raped and murdered. Fuck. Someone else. That's rough. Um, ultimately, the extensive search and recovery operation uncovered no significant material evidence Material evidence related to the hijacking. Look at me. I got through that last sentence pretty nicely. We're struggling, Bar- folks. Barba. Barba. <laughs> raided, <laughs> aided. <laughs> Police raided everybody. I was Bye. like, that doesn't make any sense. Let me go back and look. Oh, aided. <laughs> All right. In 2019, the FBI released a report indicating that about three hours after Cooper jumped, a blur- blurry. See? See? Burglary. <laughs> yeah. Keep I'm talking I'm struggling, crap. too. I admit Keep it. Keep talking crap. A burglary. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh, my God. Why is word hard? At least I didn't do it twice in a row. <laughs> a burglary was reported at a small grocery store near Tyson, Washington, an unincorporated community located within the low calculated drop zone that Northwest Airlines presented to the FBI. So they think somebody was there and they burgled the place. Burgled? Burgled. That's a word. I don't think so. I Like, it's a past tense of burglary. Burgled. I burgled you. <laughs> Find that really hard to believe. <laughs> I will look it up and show you. Okay. Words are my Tell life. Tell I'm going to make fun of you. <laughs> burgled. <laughs> Shut up. Guys, this is what I have to deal with every day. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's so great. <laughs> the, the burglar. Oh, that was close. <laughs> no, it's so hard. No. Okay. Noted by the FBI to have taken only survival items such as beef jerky and gloves. Mm, that's two good combinations. <laughs> I mean, they're sort of like, I think beef they're. jerky and I think gloves. he stole some more other than just those oh, two gloves items. for stealing i guess no gl- gloves to survive like like working gloves like me working gloves to survive for i them. fucking don't know it's cold all right read, read number 14 Ooh. stop yawning can't help it let's see a month after the hijacking the fbi distributed lists of ransom serial numbers to financial institutions Casinos, racetracks, and other businesses that routinely conducted large cash transactions. Mm-hmm. So he's trying okay. to like uh, wash be, it. Yeah, wash it. Uh, and to law enforcement agencies around the world, Northwest Orient offered a reward of fifteen percent of the recovered money to a maximum of twenty-five thousand. Fifteen percent. 
So twenty five thousand isn't fifteen percent of I'm not a mathematician. No, because that should be yeah twenty five thousand thirty thirty thousand. So there's like up to twenty five thousand. You wouldn't get the full fifteen percent. So that's fifteen percent. That's thirty thousand is fifteen percent of two hundred thousand. Uh, or to award 15% of the recovered money to a maximum. But if 30% is a... I don't know why they did that. Don't ask me. People do stupid shit. It's the... That the, makes zero sense. Anyway. Uh, in early 1972, U.S. Authority General John M. Mitchell released the serial numbers to the general public. Two men used counterfeit 20 bills uh, printed by Cooper's serial numbers to swindle 30000 from a Newsweek reporter named... Carl Fleming in exchange for an interview with a man they falsely claimed was the hijacker in early 1973 uh, with the ransom money still missing the Oregon Journal republished the serial numbers and offered thousand dollars to the first person to turn in a ransom bill to the newspaper or any FBI field uh, office Uh, though several near matches were reported no genuine bills were found it's crazy. He hasn't Mine? used it yet. On February 10th of 1980, eight-year-old Brian Ingram was vacationing with his family on the Columbia River at a beachfront known as Tina or T-E-N-A bar. Mm-hmm. About So it's not the person. Tiki bar. Not the person. It's a place. About nine miles downstream from Vancouver, Washington, and 20 uh, miles southwest of Ariel. As he raked the sandy riverbanks to build a campfire, he uncovered three packs of the ransom cash totaling $5,800. So this eight-year-old found, found the money. eight-year-old found the money. Wow. Uh, the bills had disintegrated from lengthy exposure to the elements, but were still bundled in the rubber bands. Uh, FBI technicians confirmed that the money was indeed a portion of the ransom, two packets of $120 bills each. And a third pack of 90, all arranged in the same order as when given to Cooper. So it just might have fallen out of the bag or something. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so now we're going to get into suspect uh, profiling. Mm-hmm. This is going to be fun. Because mm-hmm. everybody doesn't like him, apparently. Because Like Dan Cooper? Yeah. What's wrong with Dan Cooper? I mean, he's smart. Okay, He so... didn't kill anybody. He didn't yeah. hurt anybody. He was nice. He like... wasn't mean. He made jokes with the The people. only thing he did was he got mad when they asked where he was from. But other than that, I mean, he was pretty chill dude. Right. All right. Cooper appeared to be familiar with the Seattle area and may have been an Air Force veteran based on testimony that he recognized the city of Tacoma from the air as the Jet Circle Puget Sound and his accurate comment to Mucklow about the, the Air Force base was about 20 minutes drive from Seattle Airport. A detail most civilians would not know or comment about. Or maybe he just fucking looked at a map. Or that. <laughs> His financial situation was very likely desperate, obviously. Would hope so. Alter- alternatively, Cooper may have been a thrill seeker who made the jump just to prove it could be done. Or that. Read number 15. I mean, I like all those. I know, right? Maybe they're all true. <laughs> uh, the profile speculated that Cooper was a military trained parachutist and not not a sports skydiver because in addition to his apparent comfort level with the military style parachutes he was provided his age would have made him an 
outlier mm-hmm. in the sport skydiving community, thereby increasing the likelihood that he would have been quickly recognized by a member of that community. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I can't change the page. No. Uh, the profile also speculated that Cooper was someone who exercised regularly due to comments by multiple eyewitnesses regarding Cooper's athletic looking frame despite his age. Look at him. He's a, a dilf. I don't think he's a dad, though. Maybe it's a hilf. That's kind of like the age. So, hijacker, I'd like to fuck. There you go. We got a hilf on our hands. Got a hilf. <laughs> Tina was into that hilf. For a bit, uh, they also show me felt... your bomb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, off subject, real quick. I was watching this meme the other day. It was like, I guess his husband and wife or whatever. And you see the husband going to the refrigerator, so he's opening up, and the wife was like, uh, "She's like, uh, bring out the meat. Yeah, bring out the meat." So then, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so then it starts having this like. Uh, what is it like Luther Vandross music come on and he's the husband's wearing basketball shorts and you see him like kind of like put his hand in there like he's gonna bring it out and she turns around she's like oh my god like (laughs) opens up the freezer takes meat out the guy was all sad that's a shit you guys like you would do fuck yeah it's like like, babe give me the meat I'm like okay girl (laughs) anywho I just thought that was funny um, let's see. I think I'm on this one. Uh, oh yeah. So they also felt he was not a heavy drinker or an alcoholic because the only drink he was served was quickly spilled and he never requested another one. Oh, I didn't know it was spilled. Okay. Yeah. Like that's like a small detail. Like yeah. it wasn't really um, that important, but it I thought he like chugged that shit. The profile determined that an alcoholic would have likely been incapable of turning down further alcoholic beverages Throughout the stressful, lengthy, lengthy hijacking. So, there's Bam. that. Okay. By calculating the number of cigarettes he smoked throughout the hijacking, the FBI believed that he smoked around one pack of cigarettes a day. Oh, so he's a smoker, though. Yeah, because he offered her a cigarette. Remember? Oh, and yeah. she took it. And um, uh, Several of Cooper's mannerisms led the FBI to conclude that he was more intelligent than a common criminal, such as his vocabulary level his proper use of aviation-related terminology, complete lack of profane language, his calm demeanor, his style of dress, and the respect he showed for the female members of the crew. Because mm-hmm. he, he's a stand-up guy. Like, yeah, so why are people hating on this dude? Cooper's ability to quickly and competently adapt to various situations as they arose indicated to profilers that he was likely the type of person who would commit a crime without the need or desire for an accomplice. So he's dead alone. Yeah. Read number six. Number six? 16, sorry. 16. What is wrong with you today? I don't know words. Um, agents theor- theorized, theorized that Cooper <laughs> took his alias from a proper French language Belgium comics wow. series featuring the fictional hero Dan Cooper, a Royal Canadian Air Force test pilot who took part in numerous heroic adventures, including parachuting. One cover from the series rep- uh, reproduced on the FBI website depicts test pilot Cooper skydiving. Uh, because Dan Cooper comics were never translated into English nor imported in the U.S., they speculated that he had 
encountered them during a tour of duty in Europe. See, that makes sense. So based on the evidence and Cooper's tactics, the FBI speculated Cooper carefully planned the hijacking and had detailed specific knowledge of aviation, like we said, the local terrain and the 727's capabilities. Cooper seemed specifically well-informed in refueling procedures. Unlike most commercial jet airlines, the 727 could remain in slow, low-altitude flight without stalling. So I think, yes. Uh, Cooper displayed... Struggling a bit? Yes. Cooper displayed was a feature both secret and unique. Okay, so this feature, the the house low could go without stalling was unique to the 727. The AFT air stair could be opened during flight and the single activation switch in the rear of the cabin could not be overridden by from the cockpit. So all of these details had to have, have had to have happened for this hijacking to actually work. Mm-hmm. And he knew he it. He knew it. Yeah. Like who would know random shit like that? Him. Um, Cooper chose a seat in the last row of the rear cabin for three reasons to observe and respond to any action in front of him to minimize the possibility of being approached or attacked by someone behind him mm-hmm. and to make himself less conspicuous to the rest of the passengers. That's why he needed that flight. Cause probably all the rest of them, they didn't have any back rows. Maybe that one, or that was the only 727 in flight. And that one too. Uh, to ensure he would not be deliberately supplied with sabotage equipment, Cooper demanded four parachutes to force the assumption that he might compel one or more hostages to jump with him. Even though he didn't. He Look did at not. Him. He's a nice guy. Smart man. All right. Read number 17. I already read 17. Just kidding. Uh, Cooper was also careful to avoid leaving evidence. Before he jumped, he demanded... Hmm. He demanded Mucklow. Oh my God, stop yawning. I try, I try to stop it. But it didn't happen. Um, he demanded Mucklow return to him all notes either written by him or on his behalf. Tina said she used the last match in his paper matchbook to light one of his cigarettes. And when she attempted to dispose of the empty matchbook, he demanded she return it to him. Although he was he was meadow methodical. Thank you. In his attempts to retrieve evidence, he all, he was unsuccessful. He was unsuccessful. He he left his clip-on tie in his seat. Yeah, he did leave that. Mm-hmm. So he took everything else, all the notes, everything, which was smart. Less evidence, you can't have it. But he forgot something. Um, okay, he left it on purpose. So we are going to go over the possibilities of what happened to Cooper. Okay, so I call it Cooper's fate, question mark, question mark, question mark. Okay, so from the beginning of their investigation, FBI agents did not believe Cooper survived his jump. (laughs) He did. And so I'm like, so why look for him? Like, the money's not being spent. It technically isn't stolen until you spend it. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Cooper appeared to lack the necessary skydiving knowledge, skills, and experience for the type of jump he attempted. We originally thought Cooper was an experienced jumper, perhaps even a paratrooper. We concluded after a few years, this was simply not true. No experienced parachutist would have jumped in the pitch black night in the rain with 172 miles per hour wind in his face, wearing loafers and a trench coat. Like they would have done that? No, they wouldn't. Skydiving instructor Earl Cossey, who supplied the parachutes, testified Cooper did not need extensive experience to survive the jump, and anyone who had six or seven practice jumps could accomplish this. 
easily. Boom. However, Cossey also noted jumping in at night drastically increased the risk of energy injury and without jump boots, Cooper probably would have suffered severe ankle or leg injuries upon landing. Maybe, maybe not. Because he had loafers on. Maybe, maybe not. All right, read number 18. Cooper did not... <clears throat> Cooper did not have to... Cooper did not appear to have the equipment necessary for either his jump or his survival in the wilderness. Cooper failed to bring a... Um, bring or request a helmet and jumped into a 15 degree or 15 degree Fahrenheit wind at 10,000 feet, 3000 meters. I think that's the M. Yeah. Um, in November over Washington state without proper protection against the extreme wind chill. Mm -hmm. Although the contents of Cooper's four inch by 12 inch by 14 inch, uh, paper bag are unknown. Cooper did not use any of the bag's contents to assist him during any part of the hijacking. So the FBI speculated the bag contained items Cooper needed for his jump, such as boots, gloves, goggles. I mean, boots probably wouldn't fit in that like, little bag. How big is his paper bag? Four inches by 12 inches by 14 inches. So I mean, it's actually a, a little bit. That's a pretty big bag. You can like, fit boots in there. Men's feet are usually bigger. Not necessarily. We don't know how tall or big his feet is. Okay. He could wear a size nine for all we know. Size two. Or a size five. And he's like little, like dainty little feet, like the yeah, little pegs. He's got like little, little, <laughs> little feet like that. All right. Cooper did not appear to have an accomplice waiting on the ground to help him escape. It was Tina. Definitely Tina. She was still in the flight. But they don't know if he, she knew him on the outside. But she was still in the flight, though. Yeah, she but she would meet up with him later. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe the two flight attendants that left before maybe met up with him. Damn it. Florence. Florence and Alice. Such an arrangement would have required both a precisely timed jump and the flight crew's cooperation to follow a predetermined flight path. But Cooper did not give the flight crew a specific path. He was like, all right, whatever. We can mm -hmm. go here. It's fine. It's cool. It's chill. Yeah, chill. Whatever. Uh, moreover, the flight crew proposed and Cooper agreed to, after the flight path, alter the flight path um, and fly from Seattle to Reno for refueling. And Cooper had no way of keeping an accomplice appraised of his changed plans. Because back in 1971, you didn't have cell phones. So mm -hmm. the low cloud cover and lack of visibility to the ground further complicated Cooper's ability to determine his location, established a bearing or see his landing zone. He could have had night vision goggles in that bag. Maybe. All right, read number 19. <clears throat> the ransom money was never spent and the recovered portion was found unused. Diving into the wilderness without a plan, without the right equipment in such terrible conditions, he probably never even got his chute open. FBI agent Richard... Toshaw theorized Toshaw. Cooper became incapacitated from hypothermia during his jump, landed in the Columbian River, and drowned. I mean, that's a possibility, but... Well, I found his body, I'm assuming. I mean, if it was, like, brought down through the Colorado River, there's no point, like, depending on how long it is, or the Columbia River, depending on how long it is, it could take him anywhere. I mean, what, does this thing branch off 20, 20 different ways or something? Good. I don't know, shit. Rivers are rivers. They flow and ebb. Okay. So other views. 
Um, a senior FBI agent anonymously... Oh, oh, his opinion. Wow. I don't know why this is so hard. <laughs> Extra struggle bus. So a senior FBI agent said something anonymously. In a 1976 article in the Seattle Times, I think Cooper made it. I think he slept in his own bed that night. It was a clear night. A lot of country is pretty flat. And he could have just walked out right down the road. Hell, they weren't even looking for him there at the time. They thought uh, he was somewhere else. He could have just walked down the road. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's true. It's possible. Like, we don't know. All right, read number 20. Conclusive evidence of Cooper's death has not been found. In the months following the Cooper hijacking, five men attempted to copycat hijacking and all survived their parachute escapes. Mm. Um, the survival of the copycats, several of whom face circumstances and conditions similar to Cooper's jump, forced FBI to lead case agent Ralph <laughs> Hammerschmuschbrook uh, to reevaluate his op- his opinions and theories regarding Cooper's chances for survival. Well, duh. Like one person said that even a non-experienced person can jump this if they get if they did like six or seven jumps, they can easily survive it. Right. And another guy's like, "Oh no, you can't survive it. You got this, 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 and this." And then you got these five random copycatters who did the almost the exact same mm-hmm. jump, and they all survived. That's where it's just like, it's just so out there. They don't know. Cause he obviously survived. I don't, did we say this? Like, I think I cut it, cut it because it was really long. But even the, you know, the fighter jets who were following the, the flight, mm-hmm. they didn't see him jump. Yeah, because that night they came. It camped. was night and it was like raining and cloudy. But and the shit. thing was that they should have picked it up on their radar. But like we said, we don't know what was in his, his bag. brown bag. It could have mm-hmm. been some type of. Radar scrambler or some shit, especially if he was ex-military. Like, don't mm-hmm. tell him what the fuck was in there, right? Because if, if, <laughs> if they said it should have came up on a radar, then it probably should have came up on a radar, right? So it's weird that it didn't. So unless I don't, I don't know, I don't know about that because I don't know what stuff can block radars. I'm not mm. ex-military. Yeah. All right. So those are just some of the the things that could have possibly happened to Cooper. I fully believe that he survived. That mofo survived. He did. He was a gentleman to the end. He was. Like, no one got hurt. He's probably like, still I, alive, and he's like, you fuckers still don't know. He's like, you don't know. <laughs> Actually, he would be way really, really old. He'd be in, like, his 90s. He could still be alive. I'm I'm just saying he would be really old. I'm sure he probably would have changed his name by now. Like, he didn't even use that name. Dan Cooper? That was not his real name. Oh, I thought it was his real no, name. No! There was a guy in Portland who had D.B. Cooper as his name, and it was not the guy, because he was, I, he had, I think he was in jail or something at the time. Oh, so I guess you don't need a show ID with your name mm-hmm. on it back then. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the suspects. I only cho- There are so many suspects. I did not want to go to each every one because it would be even longer. So I just did the first few that I felt were really interesting. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to go for it. Okay, so the first suspect that I have here, his name is Ted Braden. Um. So Duncan, random obscure person, you don't need to know who he is, also claimed that during Braden's time in Vietnam, he was continuously involved in shady deals to make money. Uh, from his time working covert operations in Vietnam, he likely would have possessed the then classified knowledge about the ability of the proper specifications for jumping from a 727. So at that time, this person could potentially have that because he worked on them. 
Um, he was 5'8", which is shorter than the height dis- description of at least 5 feet 10 inches given by the two flight attendants, but his military measurement would have been taken in his stocking feet and may have appeared somewhat taller in shoes, mm-hmm. which is true. Mm-hmm. However, he possessed a dark complexion. The- dark complexion from years of outdoor military service had short dark hair a medium athletic build and was 43 years of age at the time of the hijacking which are features in all in line with the description of cooper so ted might be it read number 21 uh kenneth peter christensen however you want to say that uh, in 2003, Minnesota resident Lyle Christensen uh, watched a television documentary about the Cooper hijacking and became convinced that his late brother Kenneth was Cooper. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, so 1926 to 1994 is his late brother Kenneth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christensen enlisted in the Army in 1944 and was trained as a paratrooper. Mm-hmm. Christensen was 45 years old at the time of the hijacking, but his shorter 5'8 inch uh, thinner 150 pound uh, than eyewitness description of Cooper. Uh, Christensen smoked, as did the hijacker, and displayed a fondness for bourbon the drink Cooper had requested. Stewardess Florence uh, told author, uh, author Geogra- Jeffrey uh, gray, I guess. <laughs> I was going to say geography. Uh, that photos of Christensen fit her memory of the hijacker's appearance more closely than those of other suspects she had been seen, but could not conclusively identify him. Right. So, wait. So Chris- Okay, so the Kenneth. Okay, so Lau is the brother. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lou. Kenneth is the one that they're referring to. Yeah. Got it. Who died in 1994, apparently. Well, still after. All right. So next we have Jeff, uh, Jack Colfelt. In 1972, he began claiming he was Cooper and attempted through an attempted through an intermediary. He said this to somebody. He said he landed near Mount Hood, about 50 miles southeast of Ariel, injuring himself and losing the ransom money in the process. <laughs> Which, like, the little kid found, like, a stack. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, it's possible. Uh, photos of Colfett bear a resemblance to the composite drawings, although he was in his mid-50s in 1971, so a little too old. He was reportedly in Portland on the day of the hijacking and sustained leg injuries around that time, which were consistent with a skydiving mishap. But they couldn't com- confirm it. Mm-hmm. Uh, read number 22. You read um, Lynn Doyle Cooper. There's another guy's name that's girly. Yep. Uh, Lynn Doyle, L.D. Cooper, 1931 to 1999, a leather worker and Korean War veteran, was proposed as a suspect in the July 2011, in July 2011, by his niece, Marla Cooper. As an eight-year-old, she recalled Cooper and another uncle planning something very mischievous involving the use of expensive walkie-talkies at her grandmother's house in Sisters, Oregon. That's that's the name of a city in Oregon? Sisters? Mm-hmm. I think it's for, for uh, like the 150 miles southeast of Portland. The next day, Flight 305 was hijacked, and though the uncle's 
Obstesbly, I don't know what that word is, uh, were turkey hunter. L.D. Cooper came home wearing a bloody shirt, the result, he said, of an auto accident. Uh, later, Marla claimed her parents came to believe that L.D. was the, was the hijacker. She also recalled that her uncle, who died in 1999, was obsessed with the uh, Canadian comic book hero Dan Cooper and had one of his comic books thumbtacked in his wall. Although he was not, although he was not a skydiver or paratrooper. So their uncle is like it kind of kind of fits. I guess like I, I thought. But I had, why would he come in with a bloody shirt? Like because he might have got hurt on the way down. Like maybe he hit a tree or something and got scratched mm. up. That's interesting. Okay, so. This one's a little twist, and I think you'll like it. Okay. Barbara Dayton. That's a girl name. Yeah, clearly. Okay. <laughs> a, re- <laughs> a recreational pilot and, and University of Washington librarian who was named Robert Dayton at birth, uh, served in the U.S. Merchant Marine, Marine and then the Army during World War II. Dayton worked with explosives in the construction field and aspired to be a professional airline career but could not obtain a commercial pilot license. Dayton underwent gender reassignment surgery in 1969 and changed her name to Barbara. She is believed to be the first person to undergo this surgery in Washington state. She claimed to have staged the hijacking two years later, uh, presenting as a man in order to get back at the airline industry and the FAA, whose insurmountable rules and conditions had prevented her from becoming an airline pilot. Dayton said that the ransom money was hidden in a cistern near Woodburn, Oregon, a suburban area south of Portland. Jesus Christ. Every word is hard today. Mm-hmm. She eventually recanted the entire story, story ostensibly after learning that hijacking charges could still be brought. She also did not match the physical description particularly closely. So... She was like, fuck, I still can go to jail for this? Not, didn't do it. No, (laughs) not me. (laughs) Wasn't me. Uh, Okay, so then here's a list of everybody else. I was not about to just go through all these guys. But we had William Gossett, Joe Lackett, John List. That's how we got into this situation. D.B. Cooper. Uh, Ted Mayfield, Richard McCoy Jr., Vincent C. Peterson, Sheridan Peterson, Robert Rackshaw, Walter Recca, William Smith, Dwayne Weber, but like he was he was like spot on apparently, and the only reason he did not get arrested, his fingerprints didn't match. Mm. Like he was like a spitting image of it. Like I looked at the the comparison, it was crazy. All right, so we're almost done, guys. Thank you for hanging in. So we're going to talk about the aftermath. So what happened after this hijacking? Despite the initiation of the federal sky marshal program the previous year, 31 hijackings were committed in U.S. airspace in 1972. Jesus. That's a lot. Only two hijackings were attempted in 1973, both by psychiatric patients. One hijacker, Samuel Bick, intended to crash the airliner into the White House to kill President Nixon. Wow. I mean, that's... Wow. Interesting. All right. So, also, after this aftermath, a couple things happened on airplane modifications to help avoid this shit. Can't open up the back 
doors and open up in flight and just a bunch of shit. Due to multiple copycat hijackings in 1972, the FAA required that the exterior of all Boeing 727 aircrafts be fitted with a spring-loaded device, later dubbed the Cooper Vane, that prevents lowering of the aft stair air stair during flight. The device consists of a flat blade of aluminum mounted on a pivot, which is spring-loaded to stay out of the way of the door when the craft is at rest. But aerodynamically, I can say that word, but I can't say burglary. (laughs) Fuck. Rotates into position to prevent the door from being opened when the plane is traveling at flight speeds. Then the operation of the vane is also automatic and cannot be overridden from within the aircraft. Also, as directed... As a direct result of the hijacking, the installation of peepholes was mandated in all cockpit doors. This enables the cockpit crew to observe passengers without opening the cockpit door. I said cockpit a lot there. About damn. So that's why. So DB Cooper or Cooper, even though it's not him, uh, is the reason why they have cockpit door peepholes now. Interesting. So that's was just some of it. Like people died, blah blah blah. Like after that, but it was like not important to the story. So people just, died. What do you mean? Like uh, hijackers? No, no, no. The the guy who owned the company, the Southwest or Northeast, whatever. Northwest. Uh, he died in like 2009 or something, and I'm like that has nothing to do with the story. Who cares? Like yeah. Anyway, so that is DB Cooper, very still unsolved, and we probably will never know who it is. Of course we're not going to know who it is. He's probably already dead by now. Probably. This is 2023 and that happened. 1971. So and he was what? Ago. Already 40 something? Yeah, 50 in, something? In his 40s. So it's about 50 years difference. Yeah. Fuck no. More than likely he is not still alive. Unless. I'm just saying if he did survive and he had the money, it's like it was pointless. It Why? was pointless because he couldn't spend the money. But it's like I wonder what he did. He had to do something unless he just threw it away. Maybe he was just. To see if he can actually do it. Maybe he'd even want to spend the money. Yeah. Or he was just like a, to prove a point, that's why I only asked for 200000 because A, that's easy to get hands on pretty quickly. If he, I think if you did any more than that, it would... It would take longer. It would take longer. And so since it was such a f- short flight and you have so much fuel... Yeah. You, that makes sense. So, why he only did that. And then just like everything was set up beautifully. Like he did a very fantastic job planning this because he got away with it. Yeah. I mean, technically he did. I mean, but he couldn't use the money. So, I mean, did he really get away with it? He did. He had to have. He either died or he survived and he just couldn't spend no, the money. No, I mean, yeah, he got but, away with it, but he couldn't spend the money. So, that's what I'm saying. Did he technically get away with it? Remember like, when Tina asked him, why did you choose, like, why did you choose this flight kind of thing? And he was like, I have a grudge. Not necessarily for the money. He's just doing it to hijack. No, he said he doesn't have a grudge at the airline. Line, he, he just had a, grudge. He just has a grudge. So we don't know what the grudge is. Mm-mm. So it could have been towards somebody or just to flights. So it could have been Barbara. And she could have been the... Mm-hmm. But since... But they said it didn't fit the athletic build. Yeah, she didn't match as closely as it needed to be. But I'm just saying that's like just... I wonder. Is this like one of the ones that I want to know? Like, if I could just know, that'd be like, cool. It's got to go back in time, you know? I know. Get on that flight. Wish we had that capability. Well, not everyone, because that would be terrible. But, like, who like really I killed? wish we could go back in time and just, like, witness stuff. So, Zodiac like, Killer. Unsolved. Yeah, Zodiac Killer, D.B. Cooper. Like, who, just. Who killed John Bonet? John Bonet. 
Just like all these ones that are unsolved or no one knows about is like want us to go back in that time and see what the fuck happens. And we'll, then we can know. I know. That would be crazy. I want to know. I just want to know. Tell me your lies. Wait. No, tell me your truths, not lies. I don't know. Anyway, so that is our episode today. I hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you think. Maybe you have a different theory. Shouldn't even call him Doobie Cooper. His name should be John Doe. Well, he named Dan Cooper. It's not even supposed to be DB because DB was Brandon. Well, I mean, but that's not even his real name either. So I know. So it's he like should, he should be a John Doe. Ah, say love you. All right. Doe. Okay, fine, whatever. Thank you, John Doe. But Thank you. Sounds much better, DB Cooper. No, it doesn't. John Doe sounds better because he's unknown, and that's what you use for unknown names. People don't use DB Cooper; they use John Doe. Or I'm going to start using DB Cooper as my alias. I'm just going to start checking into hotels as DB Cooper. Can't do that because you have to give them your ID. I know, you're going to get a fake ID that has D.B. Cooper on it. I should legally change my name to D.B. Cooper. Do it. And every time I get on a flight, they're like, oh, shit, let me search your bag. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any brown bags you're carrying? And then you always carry a brown, get a brown bag suitcase. And then I'll wear like a black trench coat and, and glasses. Hat with brown shoes or whatever it is. That's funny. And they have a clip-on tie. That you leave on a plane every time. And then I hand mysteriously a note to a, like a flight attendant. Don't do then, that when I'm on the flight. <laughs> I'll be like, thanks for helping. It's like nothing. It's like everybody's really freaking out. Or is they just they do exactly how they just put it in the bag. And be like, no, you should read that note. And then just make up something that's not like. <laughs> You're special. <laughs> <laughs> to get them to read it. Anyway. Should do it. Yeah. That'll be fun. 100%. That would be a fun day. Yeah. Then All jump right. on the plane. Next episode, you have the movie, I have the topic. Do you remember what you said okay to? Pirates of the Caribbean? No. It's self- Self-defiance. Self-reliance. Close enough. Self-reliance is a movie, it's a new movie on Hulu. Uh, you can go check it out. And a lot of known people. In a lot of known people. It looked really interesting. It looks fun. Definitely watch it out. And since I didn't do the topic that I chose last time for this episode, we're going to do it then. So we're going to do the Winchester Mystery House. I thought we already did that. No. We covered a little bit of it, like, but not fully. Mm, okay. I don't think. But anyway, so we're going to definitely cover that one. Um, and as you know, We're Not Qualified is coming up. So you can always email us at infrothenight69 at gmail.com or go to our website, infrothenightpodcast.com and go to contact section or write us or something. I don't remember what I labeled it. And it just sends us emails easily. Um, but what else can you... Merch and Patreon. Good job. Uh, as you know, we are videotaping these episodes. And if you want to see our lovely faces or Lur's face yawning every two fucking seconds, you can just subscribe. I am human. I'm not a machine. Just $1 a month and you can see our faces. Um, also, please, if you have not done it yet, please rate and review. It will help us out. We need more listeners. All the listeners. Share with your family, friends. Dogs, cats, fish. snakes. I don't know. But Lions, tigers, bears, oh, oh my. my. <laughs> but definitely check us out. Uh, re- check us out. Review. We love y'all. Love you. We and hope- thanks again for folks that have liked, comment, and and subscribe. Appreciate you. And, and we hope we gave you a reason to stay for that. Wow. And until I- next time, peepees. Peace out.